Welcome to EDI on BIV. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver, and we're broadcasting today from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. My guest today is Rohin Bouajram. She's the Associate Director of Strategic IBPOC, that's Indigenous Black People of Color, initiatives at the University of British Columbia. She leads the newly launched Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Initiative at UBC. Rohin, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Haley. It is a pleasure to be here with you today. So I understand that this Beyond Scholars program is really a first of its kind initiative. Tell me, what is it about and what does it involve? Thank you, Haley. It's exciting, the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Program. The reason why it's a first of its kind initiative in Canada is because of two things. The first is that it aims to provide a pathway to success for Black Canadian students at the University of British Columbia by opening the opportunity for scholars to study at both the Vancouver and the Okanagan campus across different academic disciplines and faculties at the undergraduate level. The second reason why we're excited to speak to um, many individuals about the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Program is also because scholars can access a variety of one-time and renewable awards valued up to $80,000 to cover their time at the university. We have taken it very serious in terms of uh, creating a pathway to success, and I look forward to telling you a little bit more about what that looks like. Yeah, let's dive right into that and maybe first starting with some of the barriers that may exist for the students who would be eligible to participate in this program. Mm -hmm. I'll perhaps start off with a a bit of a national context and then um, narrow it down further to what we know at the University of British Columbia. In February of uh, 2020, Statistics Canada released a report with the United Nations International Decade for People of African Descent. And there's two noteworthy trends that I'd like to highlight. The first is that 94% of Black youth between the ages of 15 and 25 years of age would like to get a post-secondary education at either the bachelor's uh, level or higher. However, only 60% thought they could actually do it. Another noteworthy trend that they've highlighted in this report is that one in five Black adults live in low income um, status. The reason why I provide this um, as a preface to what I would like to speak to as a barrier is that Black students are disproportionately underrepresented in post-secondary. And one of the barriers that the University of British, uh, British Columbia has noted is financial that post-secondary education is costly for some, one being Black students. As a result, we are addressing this barrier by providing the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Award that provides the financial assistance to make it possible for many individuals who might have wanted to be part of having a post-secondary education, but who weren't able to attain it due to this specific barrier. What this also allows Black Canadian students to do is to remove that burden of having to think about, how do I pay for my tuition? How do I pay for my housing? How am I going to be able to afford things like books, et cetera? And to really focus on the things that matter, like class, going to classroom, studying, and eventually graduating. How many students are currently involved in the program? 
we welcomed our first cohort of 13 scholars who started in September of 2021. And our goal is to grow the program with a 100 scholar participation in the next four to five years. Wow, that's significant. It is. And certainly a goal that we look forward to celebrating uh, in the time to come. Now, I know anyone who's been a post-secondary student, finances are really top of mind. So it sounds like that piece is taken care of by the program. But I also understand that there's a lot by way of other kinds of supports. Can you speak to why, first of all, that's important? And second, what some of those supports might look like? Mm -hmm. When launching the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Program, um, and I would say prior to launching, the University of British Columbia really wanted to think about how do we create that pathway to success through, yes, a financial aid award, and at the same time, take a step further in thinking about how we support the success of students, given that for many students who are new to post-secondary, it is a bit of a daunting place. It's an opportunity for them to relearn time management skills, how to study, how to take exams. As a result, the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Award takes what we refer to as a wraparound approach of building out structural and integrated supports in what we define as five pillars of success, or really five areas that we know are critical to student success. These are academic and career, leadership, community and belonging, financial and health and well-being. What this means is that every year, these five areas are explored in terms of programming that is delivered for scholars in the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars program. So, so that scholars are able to start to build their skills. For example, with financial, being able to know how to manage their finances and build their financial literacy over time is going to be a skill that will be useful during university and beyond. Another area, of course, is career, supporting scholars to think not only about their career in first year, but perhaps what they might do over their time at the university to build their network, to connect in with mentors, and to eventually be in a place where they can provide meaningful employment after graduating. So the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Program is trying, it has created a personalized and customized pathway for scholars to be able to set up to, to be set up to succeed during their time at the university, as well as when they leave our campuses. And I know this was very recently announced, but are you getting any early feedback from your first cohort? We are. And I would love to, to say if uh, anyone is interested in hearing from the scholars themselves, because of course, I, I love this program. I'm excited about it. However, I also know it's important to hear from directly from students. And I would encourage them to go to beyondtomorrow.ubc.ca, where you get to hear from the scholars themselves. The feedback that we've received is overwhelmingly positive. The scholars are settling in really well. They are responding to the programming that is being developed and that they're, being, that they're participating in. Given that this is their first year, a key part of the programming that has been um, developed is focusing on their transition to the university and really relying on the strengths that they bring to the university and then amplifying that over their first year so that they're set up to succeed 
beyond that, that first year. And are the scholars enrolled in a variety of disciplines at UBC? Yes, we have scholars who have joined us from different parts of Canada. And that, I think, is an exciting part of the program and what will continue to expand over time. Uh, scholars who have joined us from Ontario, from Manitoba, and yes, here in British Columbia as well. And then we have scholars who have started programs in areas such as the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences, um, the Sort of Business School, as well as the Faculty of uh, Science, just to name a few. We have scholars who are here at the University of British Columbia at both the Vancouver and the Okanagan campus. This program allows scholars to make some choices. Where do they want to be location-wise? How do they want to build community, not only at the university, but the larger Black community at UBC and outside? And so it's, it's going to be a program that I think will continue to evolve, especially because this program is open to Black Canadian students, to Black permanent residents, and also students who identify as refugees or protected person status. That's wonderful. And it's going to be great to see how this program grows and evolves as you get closer to that 100 scholar mark at some point in the future. Uh, Rohin, while I have you, I want to ask you a bit about some of the other initiatives and projects that you might oversee in your role as Associate Director of Strategic IBPOC Initiatives at UBC. What else is on the go? There is so much happening at the University of British Columbia, and so I certainly want to share that I am one person amongst many individuals who are doing incredible work and in championing um, much of the equity, inclusion, and the diversity initiatives that are underway. The University of British Columbia is committed to dismantling and addressing systemic inequity, access, as well as injustice not only of Black Canadian students, as we see in the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Program, but also individuals who come from different equity-deserving communities at the same time, for example, our Indigenous students. In my role as Associate Director, supporting initiatives that really build in the success of what could be possible for Indigenous Black and Persons of Colour students, there is an exciting um, student strategic plan that the University of British Columbia is, has launched for students and really thinking about how students are connected in at the university in a way that allows them to create a, a roadmap and a pathway to success at, at the same time, recognizing that there's different levels of readiness, different levels of engagement that students have in coming to the university and really taking that keen interest in supporting students, regardless of where their culture, background, socioeconomic status is um, and where it comes from, but also to meet them at a place where we can support their success. So a couple of other initiatives that I'll highlight is the launch of an anti-racism initiatives fund. This was launched um, in 2021 as a means of supporting staff, faculty, and students at the University of British Columbia to be able to access funding for anti-racism-focused um, initiatives that they wanted to pilot. Again, finances can be a barrier for that great idea that can spark a difference. And so opportunities like the Anti-Racism Initiatives Funds removes that barrier and allows for the kind of change that the University of British Columbia is trying to see, make happen, and eventually be in a position to celebrate. 
And I appreciate, Rohane, you saying that you're a member of a large team dedicated to increasing equity, diversity, and inclusion at UBC. That's important because we know we need buy-in. We can't do it alone. It takes teams. One of the themes on this show has been, you know, how to have an impact and how to affect change within a large established organization. And UBC, of course, is a large institution. So I'm curious, what in your view are the most important pieces UBC has in place to help sort of guide the change it's trying to affect as it relates to EDI? Mm-hmm. I would I would start off with um, an incredible commitment at the at the first um, sort of as a as a as a starting point. There is incredible commitment support amongst different levels of the university, including our president Santa Ono, who has made incredible commitments around anti-racism and systemic change. And that is important for an organization and specifically for the University of British Columbia. That commitment then of course has to translate into action. And UBC has been able to showcase that. As I mentioned earlier, being able to speak to programs that move from just an idea into an actual launch that allows in this case for the Beyond Tomorrow Scholars Program to make a difference and a long-term impact in addressing the systemic inequity, the injustice, and the access to post-secondary that we see Black Canadian students facing. And then from that action, being able to then see the evaluation of what's working well and how could we change things. And that continues to be an iterative process. So I would say those are the three areas that I see happening at the university and that are making a difference as we think about how racism and the antidote of that, which is of course anti-racism, can change the narrative and at the same time, the experiences that many individuals face um, at the university as well as in communities beyond. That's helpful. Thank you for sharing that. And that's applicable in other sectors and other businesses or audience members listening, thinking about how they can begin to take some steps, starting with commitment. That's very useful. Is there a defined goal that UBC is driving toward in terms of UDI, or is it really more about the process? I would I would say, and, and again, I want to recognize that I can't speak for, again, hundreds of individuals who are committed to this work. Um, and I would say that there isn't only one goal, there are multiple goals. And the reason why I say that is because the University of British Columbia has released a number of incredibly powerful strategic plans. One that's focused on the inclusion action plan that touches various communities and also different areas at the university. There is the Indigenous Strategic Plan. There's also the university's overall strategic plan. And all of these strategic plans work together in tandem. And so there there aren't just there isn't just one singular goal um, and or what would be sometimes referred to as a one size fits all. There's more of a sense of how do we create cohesion and how do we also create actionable change? that impacts communities in the ways that support addressing equity, inclusion, and diversity. 
And I'm sure as needs change, as society evolves, different challenges, different needs are, are going to come up too. So there's an element of flexibility there. I, I'm curious, what are some of the day-to-day conversations you're having? Of course, there are these massive goals, strategic visions and plans in place, but on a granular basis, what are you talking about day-to-day? Hmm. That's a wonderful question. I'm, I'm going to reflect on that and I'll briefly give a pause because I know that for some, silence can be hard. I would say two questions as a response uh, to that. The, the first question is one in which comes across as a reflection. I find that in my daily conversations, myself and my colleagues are taking time to reflect on how far we've come. And to recognize that there has been incredible work that has already been put in place and that we don't want to lose sight of that. Um, At the same time, we don't want to reinvent the wheel all because we want to create something new for the sake of something new. So there's value in us saying what has been done and how far have we have we come as the as I would say, first uh, first question, although that's sort of a multi part. And then the second question that I'm having in my day-to-day conversations is, where do we want to go? And that has, of course, layers of what are the outcomes we want to see being achieved? What does the timing look like for us to achieve that? How do we set up reasonable expectations knowing that change happens at different paces and different um, levels in any organization. And so those two questions go hand in hand with us being able to move the dial from commitment to action and ultimately to impact and a difference. And that is a refreshing position to be in. We don't want to be in a state of at least for myself and my colleagues, in a state of complacency or in a state of not knowing what do we pick up first, which can sometimes come up, I think, in working in the space of EDI. And so that gives me hope that if there are others who are also having those conversations in different sectors, in different industries, then EDI work, no matter where you might be doing that type of work is going to move forward and at a systemic level will start to make a difference and change. And I think, at least from my perspective, we really have seen an increase in conversations happening in media, around the boardroom, within organizations as it relates to EDI. And that's quite encouraging. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really the pace of those conversations and the frequency with which we're speaking about it. I've noticed a lot of change in the last couple of years, but you raised a good point about thinking about what you're then going to do after you have the conversation, after you have the reflection, how do you get from good intentions to affecting change? Do you have any insight as someone who has strategic as part of her job title how can leaders within organizations begin to really progress from having important conversations to thinking strategically about what they do next? Mm. I, would, I would call on the word strategic um, as, a, as a way to, I think, frame my response. And that is strategic 
is an important framing for recognizing three things. One, recognizing what one does not know. And in my work, I am very quick to say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is. And I'm going to find somebody who does. And that I think is really important because as you mentioned earlier, Haley, there is a difference between well-intentioned actions, behaviors versus the right and appropriate actions and behaviors in being able to achieve the actual outcome we're hoping to achieve. And so being in a position to acknowledge with humility that you don't know is perhaps the first step in building out an important and successful um, strategy. The second step is then equipping oneself with the right people in the room. And that right, the right people in the room is often going to be a large number of individuals who are bringing diverse perspectives, diverse expertise, and not necessarily the expertise that are based on, on traditional forms of what's considered legitimate expertise, but also bringing in individuals who provide their experience, their lived experience as a way in which we look at the at things differently. And so it's about creating an ecosystem and, and an ethos of individuals who are going to offer the opportunity to lend their expertise and their experience to bridge an understanding and perhaps a revisioned way of approaching things. And then the last, um, I think, key part of the strategy piece that I would mention is not being afraid to pilot things, even if we don't know for certain if they will succeed, which is hard. I, for one, know that. There have been times in my role or perhaps in my career where I have done something and paused afterwards and thought, oops, that didn't go as planned. That should not stop us from attempting. Now, of course, that attempt is going to be dependent on who is in the room to inform. And then lastly, the acknowledgement of I don't know, so that you are coming from an informed place and not coming from a well-intentioned, with the hope that whether it's the success or the failure, that it's based on things that just didn't work out versus on starting off from the wrong starting point. Right, like coming from a place of ignorance and just trying something with no consultation. That's a different kind of failure versus it sounds like what you're talking about, even if something doesn't work out, things that couldn't be foreseen, a lack of demand for a program, something along those lines, there's still something to learn from that. And it's not the same kind of not working out. Correct. Yeah. What are you going to be focused on in 2022? In addition to, of course, this new program, Beyond Scholars, Beyond Tomorrow Scholars. 
Well, the student strategic plan that I had mentioned earlier is, is an area that, um, that falls under my, my purview of supporting. And uh, another area that I'm focusing on is also supporting the multi-faith um, spaces that are available on campus for students who come from a variety of uh, faiths and spiritual paths. And so being able to support students with um, observing and being able to embrace their spirituality on campus. With the upcoming Ramadan in April of this year, we are supporting our students who are Muslim to be able to observe a month that is critical in their faith. And so being um, recognizing that there are public health orders in place, we want to be able to support the um, Muslim students to be able to observe their faith while also, of course, considering safety in the mix of that. So those are just a couple uh, that are on the horizon. However, as I think many of us have seen, the year is going by so fast. And so looking forward to being able to reflect and being able to ultimately celebrate with the students how we were able to succeed after another year. Wonderful. Rohin, thank you so much for taking the time to join our podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Haley, for having me. It was a pleasure. My guest today was Rohin Bouajram, Associate Director of Strategic IBPOC Initiatives at the University of British Columbia. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver. Thanks so much for joining us. We publish episodes of EDI on BIV on Tuesdays. You can find them in our other episodes at BIV.com audio or by searching for BIV Business in Vancouver on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening.